4: This is the start of what could be a very big holiday season. More on the retail landscape heading
5: into the holiday season. Some fear it might be a bit of a oh-hum or a humbug holiday.
4: Our expectation is they're going to shop, especially beginning this weekend in record numbers.
6: What we're seeing is a very mixed backdrop. A few retailers are doing better, but most of them are actually struggling.
0: I don't think that retail is going to look great by the end of the year.
5: And happy Thanksgiving Eve, everybody, and welcome to this CNBC special, Taking Stock. I am Brian Sullivan. Jim is off tonight. And tonight, it is all about you, the American consumer, the shopper, the diner, the traveler, maybe even the sports gambler. You drive more than two-thirds of the American economy, but inflation, it is still stretching your wallet. As COVID savings and stimulus begins to wear off, some are now having to make some more difficult decisions. So tonight... We've got every angle to fight for your dollar covered as we look for investing opportunity. We head into the holidays and what a lineup we have got for you. We've got retail legend Mickey Drexler, consumer king Tillman Fertitta, and NBC Sports Peter King on what has been a wild and kind of weird year so far for professional football. All right, all that ahead, but hey, this is CNBC, so let's hit those closing holiday numbers, shall we? Today, the Dow didn't do much, but it did rise up 96 points. The s and the Nasdaq higher as well, all as the Fed signals maybe smaller rate hikes or an even slowdown ahead. And it does keep a nice little run for stocks going. And a reminder, the markets are open on Friday, but mercifully for a shortened holiday session. All right. Speaking of markets, retail, it has been rocking. If you are not paying attention, you should be. Nearly every sector of the consumer stock market is up. Look at these moves just since October 1st. These are quarter to date. We just plucked out some of the better performers. These are not a complete list. Walgreens, up. McCormick, up. Mondelez, all up. Dining and restaurant stocks, also no exception. Brinker, the parent of Chili's, it's leading the pack. Chewy's, it's chugging along. And beer and burger chain BJ's, also booming. And investors, not just getting their grub on. It is also clothes they're putting on. American Eagle, Macy's, Abercrombie and Fitch, The Gap also surging lately in the stock market. All right. Context is key. It has still been a rough year for many investors in the consumer space. We get it. But let's try to cut through the noise and figure out where we are right now. Joining us to talk about it, what is playing out in the retail landscape is the legendary Mickey Drexler, CEO of Alex Mill, former CEO of J Crew, and yes, the aforementioned The Gap. Now, Alex Mill. I got to say, I'm down with some of your corduroy jackets, Mickey. I look I look dapper in Corduroy. We'll talk about that later. Where, okay. do we, where do we stand right now with the consumer stimulus starting to wear off a bit? Some of the savings starting to wear off? How do you see the macro environment right now?
6: Well, again, all of this is uh, my opinion. I think it's, uh, as you both said at the beginning, it's uh, a rough environment. Uh, I think, uh, uh, in my opinion, it's all about the product and the merchandise or about cheap prices. Uh, I also don't think uh, there's a lot of great product out there in the apparel world, uh, and that always was the primary purpose of being in the business, to have good merchandise that people like on an emotional and practical level. Uh, Now, the other part of people shopping is cheap prices. Uh, If you go online or go to stores, uh, I've never seen as much Black Friday-ish days start so early and uh, 40 to 60, sometimes up to 70 percent off, uh, which only uh, says people are going to wait till perhaps they get a better deal.
5: I'm going to say I'm going to ask you a question, Mickey, which may or may not get me fired. Who knows? Because we we do so much of it in two days time. Does Black Friday, the day, the, the actual just one day Friday,
6: does it matter anymore? Um, I think it's a cliche and uh, you know, the TV news shows people breaking down the doors, but it's kind of like they do every year on Thanksgiving travel day. Uh, So I don't think it matters that much, but I think uh, it helps retailers do what they normally do, which is discount their goods even more. Uh, And uh, it's, but it's worn off to me, Uh, it's boring, but you know, I'm not maybe the typical consumer. But that's my own opinion i think it's a really good question by the way the other thing i wanted to say where you know the merchandise is number one Uh, a lot of people are looking at analytics over merchandise and i don't know any analytics that drive a business forward uh you know good old-fashioned instinct gut uh is uh and merchandising ability and marketing uh, I think has not been a priority. Now, uh, I can't quantify that, but when I read about retail, uh, I don't see many people talking about the goods they make. Uh, and I think that's also impacting the market. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I think that's yeah. going to add.
5: Well, I mean, and of course, listen, you know, we're, every day we all get a little bit older and, and the younger folks will always say, well, wow, the old people are so far behind. It's all about you know, computers and humans don't matter anymore. I don't know if a computer is making decisions at the department store, but the last time I walked through a department store, it's like somebody barfed up the 70s with bell bottoms and, <laughs> and crop tops. So if that computer is making up the decisions, somebody needs to unplug that darn computer. Merchandising does matter, especially now because my, my, my family, my wife works at Consumer Products, Mickey, and you know everybody couldn't get anything for a year and a half because of supply chain issues. Then they overordered, and this is everybody, now they have too much. Do you think tomorrow or next ye- week or next year the business will reset from this COVID wobble
6: that we were in? Um, you know, uh, I you know I don't have a crystal ball. I don't think it'll reset until there's less sale, less stores, less merchandise, uh, and uh, less discounting, uh, along with inflation, which makes it very difficult. Uh, but I don't see personally a reset happening. Uh, we're not counting on it. I don't think anyone really there's no one, uh, you know, even the earnings this week, um, you know, they're up, they're down, they're around. I can't figure I mean, them out,
5: Mickey. I can't figure them out. There seems to be no pattern.
6: Well, I agree. And and, uh, you know, I, I, this is just when I ran public companies. You know, everything's based on forecasts, not on actual So everyone beats their expectation, but I don't know what that means. I look, we're running, you know, November and uh, end of October are really rough. And uh, who knows what's gonna happen this Friday. It'll be the same old, they can rerun the news from the last five years, Uh, but it's tough. And I don't think it's gonna be easy. Inflation uh, is still there. You know, they say it might be improving. I, I went to a coffee shop last week Uh, with a friend. Uh, We both ordered eggs and toast and coffee. The bill was $68. They had a tip to that, and it used to be the price of a nice lunch. And that's staring people in the face every day, gasoline, food prices, uh, clothing prices. I don't think it's a particularly bullion environment to come, my opinion.
5: Yeah, and you wonder, is that money? people had a lot of money. They saved money during COVID. They didn't travel. Stimulus checks. A lot, a lot of money came into the American pocketbook. So I don't think they were as price sensitive. Is that a fair statement? Um, they would be because you didn't by the way, you didn't have to discount, did you? Because right. if people are willing to pay full price, you're willing to sell it to them at full price, I would imagine.
6: Well, the reality is, look, the most successful earnings. Uh, TJX, Carol Myles, is a great merchant. Her earnings are terrific. You know why? Because everyone is selling her goods always uh, at now probably the lowest prices ever. And she carries every single brand, or uh, TJX does, that people make, in fact. But that tells you where the world's going. I've been in the business a long time. And uh, I I think the business has a bit of a shakeout. Uh, The pandemic Mm -hmm. Uh, came and pushed a lot of people out, uh, which was healthy. It was bad. It was happening anyway. If you look at the trends. Yeah, and we'll
5: see where the trends go in 2023. But that's for a different segment, a different show. For now, enjoy your night. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, Mickey. Thank you.
6: You too, Brian. All right, and Heather.
5: Thank Take you. Take care. All right. Bye. Well, well, the trading week will be cut short by Thanksgiving and Black Friday. There's certainly been no shortage of retail results. CNBC.com retail reporter Melissa Repco here to break down the good, the bad, maybe even some ugly numbers. And as we were, you and I talked before the show, Mickey and I were just talking. Have you been able to spot some kind of a pattern with these numbers? Because I can't.
0: You know, it's a mixed bag, but I think the common thread is that consumers are being more choosy. They're being more selective, in some cases looking for deals, in some cases willing to pay up for brands. And so in general, you know, a lot of retailers benefited from the pandemic. People had extra money. That sugar high has ended and the reality is hitting. And so retailers are going to have to work a little harder. Consumers are a tougher sell now. And so they expect more. It's going to come down to what they have and how these retail executives execute.
5: Household balance sheets added over $2 trillion in savings. Goldman Sachs, others have those numbers. Trillion with a T because of savings from not traveling, not commuting, but also government transfer payments, stimulus, PPP money, whatever it might be. Are the retailers themselves, you listen to these calls, right? Do they, do they talk about how that money is, is winding down?
0: They have been talking about that lately. And they've also been talking about how credit card balances are going up and savings accounts are going down. And this is something that That's bad. Yeah, I mean, Best Buy uh, CEO Corey Berry, you know, they they mentioned that on the call. She spoke about how, you know, that means that even if people aren't trading down to cheaper items, that means they're making trade-offs in their budget. And that trade-off could be, you know, saying, I'm gonna spend on a vacation instead of getting a new wardrobe.
5: Credit card balances are nine. I'm going off the top of my head. Don't <laughs> don't quote me. <laughs> nine hundred and thirty ish billion dollars. The rates on those credit cards are going up. People got accustomed to a certain lifestyle for a couple of years. Now the bill's coming due. I would imagine that's got to be reflected in some of these lousy forecasts that we've heard. These retailers are thinking, wait a minute, my customer isn't getting not save any more money. They're commuting again. They're not getting the stimulus and their credit cards are maxed
0: out. Exactly. That's not a good combo. We saw a lot of retailers beat their expectations. But like Mickey mentioned, you know, they set a lower bar. So how meaningful is that bar when a bunch of them cut their forecast back in the summer? So we're seeing and hearing a more cautious conservative tone because these retail executives are thinking about, hey, it may get tougher going into 2023.
5: Melissa Repko, appreciate it. We'll let you start your holiday.
0: Thank you, Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, uh,
5: happy Thanksgiving as well, too. Thank you. All right. We have got a long way to go here on this CBC special. And coming up, the Consumer King, Tillman Fertitta, on what he is seeing and also why he just bought one of the most expensive hotels in the world and the cost jump he is seeing in one of his markets that may make your eyes pop out. That's coming up next. And as we head to break, take a look at TJX companies, the name behind Marshall, TJ Maxx, and Home Goods, that stock, that treasure hunt type shopping booming. That stock, the highest since IPO, all the way back in 1987 when the mullet was king. We're back right after this.
7: Tonight on CNBC, how jolly is the consumer? Tillman Fertitta checks in. Plus, flex for us? We're testing the global supply chain ahead of the holidays. And Jim Cramer's coming to town. A brick and mortar walk down Main Street when we return on CNBC.
8: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact.
1: engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
6: All right, welcome
5: back to this Thanksgiving Eve special, everybody. All right, well, let's talk more about you. Because how you are feeling about the economy is kind of everything that matters. Now, there has been some positive stuff out there. Consumer sentiment, new home sales, both coming in stronger than expected. While U.S. manufacturing activity did contract again, the reading on input costs slipped to the lowest level since December of 2020, a possible sign that inflation will continue to ease. But you know what? Enough data. Let's ask somebody who knows more than anyone, because from steaks to seafood to casinos and even sports, there is no American businessman with his finger on the pulse of the consumer like Tillman Fertita. His Landry's empire owns restaurants like Mastros, Del Frisco's, Bubba Gump, The Chart House, and many others. Also, Golden Nugget hotels and casinos. He personally owns the Houston Rocket, and he just made one of his biggest buys ever: the Montage Hotel in Laguna Beach for a cool six hundred and $50 million. I could go on, but that would eat the whole segment. Tillman, good to chat with you. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to you and the entire family. Um, When you make a deal like $650 million for the Montage, should we read into that that you are betting on a consumer or are you betting on a specific sector of the consumer?
9: Both. Uh, uh, And in in that case, you're also betting... On, on, I hate to say I'm betting on California, but you are betting on California. And, and uh, there's nothing like the Pacific Coast. There's more money on the Pacific Coast than anywhere else, except maybe the East Coast, of course. <laughs> and and uh, it's one of those luxury properties that uh, is so hard to develop, and it's gonna always be there. And, and uh, it's just something that you can't recreate. The land isn't there anymore. And uh, you just got to look at what it's worth for over the next 50 years, and it'll be worth a lot.
5: Yeah, unbelievable property. But, you know, okay, so that's at the high end. But the one thing I think you, you guys do and your whole team does really well is make the non-rich feel special, right? The San Luis, Kima Boardwalk, sort of the middle-class luxury. So, and that is, that is the biggest – obviously, that's the biggest part of the American economy. How are you seeing – the middle class right now, do you sense any kind of a slowdown anywhere?
9: No, what's really unusual Brian right now is the 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 masses are still out there spending it's if anything it's a little bit after the pandemic where we seem to have put so much money into the system that it's the higher end that's coming down just a tad right now and the masses are still out there spending And uh, so it's really interesting right now, but it seems to change every quarter right now. I don't really think the consumer really even knows where they are right now and how much, if they have a floating mortgage, it's really affecting them, how much is gasoline affecting them, and how much it's just costing them to go, you know, increase and buy their Thanksgiving dinner this year. So I I think that we're all trying to fill it out just like we're trying to fill out is there going to be a recession next year. And, and what is the consumer going to do next year? We brought you on say, to answer that
5: question. This. Is there going to be a recession? <laughs> is there going to be a recession next year? I, I, w-
9: w- you know what? We know we we know that earnings are going to be less for companies next year, and and it's been too good, uh, the the last two years, twenty one and twenty two, and you can just see that credit debt's going up a little bit on the consumer, and and so yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a slowdown. I don't think it's going to be in the first quarter. I think it'll probably be in the second and third quarter. But you know what this world has proven to us? Who in the world knows, Brian?
5: Street firms calling for like recessions kind of got it wrong. You just heard Mickey Drexler uh, earlier talking about going out to, to a diner in the cost. I mean, that's your core business, Tillman. Are you seeing any pullback in food inflation, in ingredient inflation, in, in wage inflation?
9: Well, what we're seeing is the consumer still out there eating and, and same store sales are good, but our margin compared to what it was in 19 is, is, is so far below because the, the inflation, you know, when we were talking earlier and to think that just in our restaurant division, that our energy cost is up a million one 000, 000 a month, well, that's what's happening to the consumer at home, also, not just to companies. And and uh, so, how does that not have an effect at some point? And it's the same thing with all your proteins, all your vegetables, everything right now.
5: Okay, I want you to repeat that because you and I were talking by phone earlier, and you said that, and that's kind of the stat that I referred to in the tease. Your your restaurant utility bills are not a million dollars a month; they went up. By a million dollars a month.
9: Exactly a million one run rate right now. And, and and that's a lot of it is. It's getting cold in the East Coast and and it's so crazy up there with all the heating oil. But even in the regulated places and the deregulated places, we've just taken a huge hit everywhere because natural gas has gone up so much. And so you just kind of get hit from every, you know, corner and you know, when people say, gosh, I can't believe what I'm paying for a meal out today. Well, look at what you're paying for it if you go to the grocery store yourself. And it's just every single expense has gone up on us this year.
5: Yeah, and it's is, you do wonder, and I was out in New York last night. And I will say this, Tillman, I don't know when the last time you were in the city was. It felt alive again. Last night was like the first time I'd been out. And I was like, New York City's kind of back. The holidays, people are smiling. Restaurants are packed. But there's got to be a limit to what people are willing to pay. And, and you heard me, you actually reached out to me because I was ranting this morning <laughs> on Squawkbox about these resort fees that they're charging in New York City and other places and hotels when there's no resort. You actually have resorts and don't charge resort fees in most cases.
9: Well, I mean, we do, we, we, we do in some cases, to, we do what the competitive set does, but uh, it's hard to cha- charge a resort fee if you're not a resort. Uh, and I don't think those hotels in, in, in New York are really resorts. No, and, that means and, no uh, rats. They probably shouldn't be days. doing it. That's no. the resort. And, and it's amazing what the ADR is up in, in New York compared to other places. Yeah, so what is that? average daily? Rate. Is that average daily rate, ADR? Average daily rate. What there, you pay so for that room every single night. Plus
5: 100 in taxes and resort fees with no resort. By the way, is there a limit <laughs> to what the consumer will spend? Like, is there a point at which you said, I can't afford this?
9: I think once again, there's different consumers and it's like somebody's coming to Houston, Texas. They're looking for the best hotel, the only five star. They don't care what it costs. They stay here at the Post Oak. Another customer is strictly looking at price. They're looking for the $79 room, the $139 room, mm-hmm. the 209 room. And so there's that's what's great about our country. There's something for everybody.
5: That's it. There certainly is. And a lot of it, by the way, is just all encapsulated on that single property you've got there in Houston with Mastro's, the hotel, by the way. Tell the entire team, Tillman, uh, I said I look forward to seeing them again. Have a great Thanksgiving to you and your family, Keith. Appreciate it.
9: Same here, Brian. Good luck to all of y'all and happy Thanksgiving. All right. Thank you very much.
5: All right. Coming up, Jim Kramer. He has made a list. He's checked it twice, and he's offering up two retail stocks worth owning heading into the holidays. We'll have them coming up. Plus... We are getting closer and closer to a nationwide rail shutdown. It could halt 7,000 trains. It could cost the economy more than $2 billion a day. We'll talk about a story not enough for talking about coming up.
3: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard.
5: All right, welcome back. What is almost that time of year? You know, time to check the list, naughty or nice. And it's a question many of us have been asking about retail. Who's good? Who's bad? And either way, it certainly has been full of surprises lately. Here's an example. Nordstrom, one of the highest-end stores in the world, slammed after having to discount and cut into profits. That's bad. But the good Strong earnings in retail this week from Best Buy, Burlington Stores, and Abercrombie and & Fitch. All those stocks up double digits week-to-date. So we turn now to the one and only Jim Kramer to find out how he is approaching retailers this holiday season.
4: Jim. That's right, Brian. What I like to do is find stocks that will do well <laughs> After the Christmas holidays, not just before. And the two that I think are most set up for this particular 2023 year are Costco and TJ. Now, TJX is the symbol. Why Costco? Because they could raise the membership fee or they could give you a special dividend. And I think they could do one or both of those. And why do I like TJX? Very simple, because as many of these companies that you hear have clean inventory, particularly the ones in the mall, well, what happened? How did they get clean? Well, they dumped their very good inventory for cash, usually to an outfit like TJX. Now, there are others that fit the bill here. I happen to think that... that Bed Bath & Beyond, absolutely, you must avoid it, but Best Buy, I think you should be in it. I don't like Nordstrom. I want to avoid it, but I do want to be in Macy's. I think they're going to have a good Christmas. So there's different ways to play on a trading basis, but when it comes to investing, you buy Costco and you buy TJX, and I do prefer, just so people know, that you don't trade for Christmas because you never know what's going to happen with the weather. You trade for you invest. I'm sorry for 2023. And the best ones are Costco and TJX. Brian, back to you.
5: Costco and TJX, Jim. All right. Thank you very much. Well, speaking of retail, one thing is clear. Brick and mortar. It is back in a big way. Americans, they want out and they are hitting the malls and the outlets in a big way. Let's talk about it more with Stephen Yoloff. He is CEO of Tanger Factory Outlet. Stephen, Good to have you back on again. I'm looking at your uh, latest earnings call notes. Here's a lot of jargon I don't understand. But overall, it looked, pr-
10: it looked pretty positive. Well, here, i got a couple of things that people understand. We raised our guidance and we raised our dividend. I think people understand that. But we've got a very optimistic look uh, towards this fourth quarter, particularly the holiday shopping season, which officially kicks off on Friday. But, you know, here's a, a little news flash. It sort of kicked off in October and we've been seeing traffic starting to build in our shopping centers since then.
5: Can you give us an idea to the traffic levels? I don't mean like off the pandemic lows type traffic levels. I mean, relative to the before times.
10: Well, sure. I mean, if you take a look at 2019, which was a good retail year, yeah, we're still doing better than 2019. Last year happened to have been an outstanding year. And you know we had stimulus. We had um, folks that weren't traveling internationally as they are this year. We didn't have the headwind of inflation. We didn't have the the headwind of uh, larger interest rates. Yet we seem to be uh, holding our own against last year, with our numbers uh, are doing extremely well. And you know, as Jim just said on the piece before, and Mickey, who I had the uh, pleasure of working for at Gap, said earlier too, a lot of the brands that have the opportunity to offer their products at value. Are the ones that are really winning. And that's what you get in an outlet center every single day.
5: Yeah, and what about rent here? Again, going back to these earnings there, Stephen. I'm looking, you saying positive blended rent spreads of 5.7%, six consecutive quarter of improvements with positive spreads for each quarter this year. So it sounds like your tenants are still, they want
10: to be there, they're willing to pay. What does that tell you? They do. And not only is it the same tenants that you've seen for years that have always been successful historically in the outlets. We're seeing brand new retailers in the outlet sector now. We've done 30 new deals in the last 30 days with, uh, with stores that have, are, are brand new to outlet, uh, direct to consumer brands that have first jumped in uh, bricks and mortar in the full price venue, but are now discovering the outlet venue and starting to open stores with us. And we're excited because what it does, and again, I'll I'll go back to Mickey, what Mickey used to say all the time, is in order to get traffic into your stores, you have to constantly flow newness into your property. And that's that's one of the things that we think about when we run our properties, is how do we constantly bring in new retailers, retailers that have great fan bases, People follow those brands, and they like to buy those brands at value, and that's what you get in an outlet.
5: Yeah, and what about you know? Listen, I'll be the first one to admit, Stephen, that that the financial news media, probably all the media, has like an East Coast bias, right? It's where we live, it's where we based. We love to talk about the East Coast. You guys are in Howell, Michigan, right? You're 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 in Memphis. You're in Commerce, Georgia. You're in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. How is the non, you know, co- coastal California, coastal New York market doing?
10: Heartland? You know, I, it happens to be doing really well. In fact, those people want brands, people want brands across the country. And you know, in some of the markets that you just named, we're the regional mall. They don't have access to some of these brands in some of the more rural markets. But you know, what's interesting and one of the dynamics that we've seen shift, particularly over the last three years, and I would say post COVID, is that a lot of folks in some of those more out-of-the-way markets, let's call them, that relied a lot more heavily on domestic tourism are now seeing customers there year-round, uh, year uh, month-round, week-round. And in fact, that's one of the great drivers of some of the successes that we're having, not only with the retail brands, but also with the food and beverage brands that we're starting to open in the centers.
5: Well, it's good. Listen, we always we like to hear success and feel-good stories. Steven Yaloff, CEO of Tanger Outlets, good stuff. Let you go enjoy your pre-Thanksgiving prep, and tomorrow, Happy Thanksgiving, thank you.
10: Happy Thanksgiving, Brian, thanks for having me on. Cheers.
5: All right, believe it or not, we're kind of just getting started, maybe about halfway through the CBC special.
7: Here's what's coming up. Coming up, besides the reindeer chimney pipeline, how's the retail supply chain look? Stay tuned. Plus, wallet worries? Prices at the pump are pointing down. What's it mean for you? And turkey and lions. Gridiron and gravy with NFL insider Peter King. That and more when we return on CNBC.
5: Nazzy little graphic there. All right, like and kind of like the graphic, we're trying to be upbeat on this Thanksgiving Eve show, right? But the reality is that the American economy may also be on the eve of something not so upbeat, and that is a crippling railroad strike. This week, members of the largest railroad union narrowly rejected a contract that the White House brokered. The vote means thousands of workers could go on strike if a deal is not reached by December 9th, or they don't extend sort of the cooling-off period again. Now, any railroad strike would be devastating for America's supply chain and probably entire economy. You see, railroads haul about 40 percent of the nation's freight every year. And according to a recent report, a railroad strike could cost the economy two billion dollars per day. Let's bring in Ryan Peterson. He is the CEO of supply chain management logistics company Flexport. They topped this year's CBC Disruptor 50 list. So congrats on that, Ryan. I mean, to get on the list is cool to top the list is even cooler, especially because, like, you're not inventing, like, you know, some sort of social media app. You're trying to move goods and services, which is infinitely more valuable. How worried are you about a potential rail strike?
2: Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, I'm pretty worried about it. We're in the business of managing imports and exports, uh, but 40% of all the containers that come into this country get moved off the port by rail, moved across the country on the railroads. Um, and if those railroads don't function, the containers pile up in the port. There's not enough trucks to haul them out. They start to backlog. And next thing you know, you're right back where we were last year where you had 100 container ships waiting off the coast, unlo- unable to unload. So this would be real bad for Flexport's customers out there and and really at the end of the day for consumers who won't be able to buy stuff. Are we at the point where you got
5: to start setting it up or maybe you already have with the customers? Like, hey, is, you know, th- we hope they get a deal done. They we probably been working will, really hard alternative on alternative to lock up
2: as much trucking capacity as we can and alternative ways to move the cargo. But, you know, it's a simple math equation. I think the number that, that our team shared with me was that there would need to be 400,000 more trucks doing port trucking than there are. And, the, and, and it's not just a matter of trucks, but lack of chassis, which are the trailers, that hold containers around, so it's it's really not solvable without the railroad.
5: Yeah, I mean uh, that's a nice your team. Kudos to your team. We need four hundred thousand more trucks. It's like I need seventeen thousand more turkeys to you know for dinner tomorrow night. It's not going to happen. What would happen if there is a strike? Even let's say they strike for a week. Okay, Bluffs called. All their all their asks are met. One week versus one month. What's the difference?
2: I do think this thing starts to compound on itself. And so a week probably solvable. There might be enough slack capacity and storage at the ports and off, you know, nearby to to manage for a week or so. But once you start to get to a month or beyond that, it just stops working. The container ships will start having to wait offshore. If the container ships waiting offshore, it's not heading back, which means our exports start getting messed up, which means now it's got to go pick up more containers on the other side of the world. It's not there to do that. So, the supply chain really breaks down and ultimately cir- logistics and the freight network is the circulatory system for the modern economy and ultimately for civilization. So we, we depend on these railroad workers. I really hope they can get a deal that they're happy with. I understand they're negotiating over their sick leave, which is a really fair thing to want to to want to get uh, you know good representation on. So it's a difficult place. I hope we get it solved.
5: And they're close. There's 12 unions. Most, I think, have ratified the deal, but they have to so kind of all for one, one for all. The 12 musketeers, if you will. You started Flexport to fix, in your words, fix global trade. All right. We had global trade problems because of covid and supply chains in China. We're still having lockdowns in China. So, Ryan, is there a way to gauge? And I know the ships offshore have kind of come back to more normalized levels. Have we gotten around the China issues or is that still just hanging around?
2: Um, you know, I think it's a little bit difficult to say exactly where, how they're responding to COVID in any given month in any given city. There's, uh, certainly we haven't solved COVID and, and, uh, and China's had a number of incidents, con- you know, seems to be constantly flaring up and they, where they are kind of shutting down their different parts of their economy to fight it. Um, so I don't know, I don't think we've turned the corner there, but you're starting to see ease it up. And I think, um, so easing up policy there. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, um, over overall, I don't think that's the biggest problem facing the world right now. Uh, it, it's much bigger, you know. The fact is, there consumer demand to buy goods. Is, are, is there going to be railroad strikes? Is the, is the logistics functioning? Ultimately, I think manufacturing is okay.
5: Well, let's hope that. I like that ending on a positive note. Gonna be okay. We're gonna just leave those words there. Gonna be okay. Let's hope. Ryan Peterson, listen. Let's hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving to your team and your family and everybody. Thank you for joining us.
2: Likewise. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. All
5: right. Thank you. Listen, folks, that potential rail strike is a big, big deal. All right. You know what else is a big deal? Oil. Let's check out the price of oil today. Down once again as the U.S. and other big countries talk about a price cap and or expanding sanctions on Russian oil. We'll break down, though, exactly what energy costs closer to home might mean for your pocketbook this winter. That's next. Welcome back. Well, as we all get set to give thanks tomorrow, let's talk about those who are less fortunate because there are many. And something that we talk about all the time, energy and energy prices, are going to be one big reason why it's going to be a little bit tougher for some families this year. Just heating your home is going to hit many families' wallets in a big way. Take heating oil, for example, something very common here in the Northeast and in New England. It is probably the single biggest culprit for costs of many families right now. In fact, some are paying more than $1,000 or even $1,500 to fill their heating oil tank, money they can little afford. But it's not just heating oil that's going to take a hit this winter. Look at this. Federal government notes, EIA, that power and heating costs are going to rise this winter across all forms of power. Heating your home with electricity, for example, probably will cost you just about 11% more. That's the best there is. Natural gas is up 25% and heating oil surging 45%. Keep in mind. Many of these numbers are on top of price increases in many areas last year as well, so an increase on an increase. This is a very real crisis for many families. Even with some additional government support, they are struggling to afford to keep the heat on, and they've taken to turning down temperatures to, like, the mid-50s or walking around inside their home in winter gear. Let's all hope for a warmer winter and lower costs down the road And. Give thanks if you're blessed enough to not have to worry about it. By the way, speaking of oil and gas, energy prices, the price of oil and gas have come down lately, but there is a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks that could move markets and prices in a big way in maybe either direction. First up, on December 1st, the U.S. begins a sale of its latest round from America's emergency oil reserves, 15 million barrels will get sold over the first 15 days of December. We're already at 40-year lows. We'll go a bit lower before we start to refill. And a few days later, on Sunday, December 4th, OPEC meets again in Vienna, Austria. And it is possible, possible, they could cut output again as prices fall. We'll be there. And then one day later, on December 5th, the European Union and G7 are likely to impose stricter sanctions on Russian oil, which could include a price cap or, including and, some kind of a shipping ban. It's not clear yet. Either way, what is clear, it's going to be a very busy and possibly very dramatic first week of December for oil and gas. All right. On deck, we are talking Turkey. Not just the dinners, but the big business of football and kind of what a weird season it's been so far. NBC Sports' Peter King will join us next. All right, welcome back, DraftKings, making some headlines this week, not the kind you want, with some customers reporting a breach in their accounts, saw thousands of dollars drained. It's coming at a bad time for the online sports betting site with the biggest day for football coming up, maybe tomorrow. And there's a lot of games. At NBC, by the way, you've heard of them. The Minnesota Vikings, the New England Patriots, will be facing off during primetime in the Twin Cities. That's tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, so one of three games tomorrow in what has been a wild first half of the season. I mean, the New York Jets actually have a winning record going into Week 11, and the Super Bowl champs, Rams, have one of the worst records in football. All right, pleased to welcome in Peter King of NBC Sports and the Peter King Podcast. Peter, it's great to have you on. I mean, football, listen, it's a consumer business. We're a consumer channel. I think it fits perfectly. Let's talk about it because it's been a weird year. I mean, you have no—even the Jets— Have a winning record at week 10 going into week 11, the defending Super Bowl champions, they've got a losing record, lost four straight to you. What has been the one or two most interesting storylines so far and what's been kind of a kind of a weird football season?
11: Well, we all thought at the beginning of the year that the AFC West was going to be one of the best divisions in in history quite honestly. And now here we are at Thanksgiving and there's one team in the AFC West that's over 500. The Kansas City Chiefs are on their way to winning that division for the seventh straight year. No one else has won it since Peyton Manning walked walked off campus in Denver in 2015. So it's just that that's a surprise. Probably the other two, uh, you know, kind of looking at it from 10,000 feet surprises, is the fact that both eastern divisions are far better than anybody thought. How in the world are the Giants 7 and 3? How are the in the world are the Jets 6 and 4 given all the struggles they've had even to go 6 and 4? But but that is interesting to me and I think there's one other overriding thing and that is there's two new franchises that really have have played better than I think anybody thought they would be. I don't mean new in terms of new to the league, but just new that nobody thought they would be this good. One is Miami. Uh, they're sitting there with a tiebreaker lead at 7-3 and three atop the AFC East. And the other one is Seattle. When they traded Russell Wilson, everybody thought they'd be dead and buried this year. But they're sitting there tied for the lead of the NFC West now with seven games to go.
5: Yeah, really. and and you now look at that trade, Peter, and listen, we're CNBC. We talk about good trades and bad trades, normally with stocks, not with football stars. Looks like Denver, for now, got the losing end of that trade.
11: Well, look, you know, we'll see. I, I still am not giving up on Russell Wilson. However, what Seattle knew it had was a smart veteran in Geno Smith, and they really hadn't had great draft position in recent years, but general manager John Schneider now has two first round two extra first round picks, two extra second round picks to work with. And I think one of the things they're gonna do in the next two drafts is probably draft a long term quarterback and let that long term quarterback and Geno Smith kind of battle it out over the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm going to ask
5: a Homer question because why not? It's Wednesday night ahead of Thanksgiving, and I'm hosting the show. I'm a Chargers fan, San Diego Chargers, now L.A. You know, I watch the games, and if they're playing the Chiefs, there appear to be more or as much red in the stands
11: as blue and gold. What's what's the future for the Chargers? You know, when you move to Los Angeles, the only way you build an enthusiastic, fervent fan base is to win. That's it. You know, you ask the Clippers uh, how hard it was for years in the Lakers' shadow. And then they started winning, and all of a sudden they got their own fans. I think one of the interesting demographic things happening in the NFL right now is that I would bet that up to almost a half of the local fan base in Los Angeles for the Chargers is Hispanic. They've done an incredible amount of reach out and an incredible amount of work to cultivate the uh, Hispanic fan in greater Los Angeles. And I think that could be the, the key to whether the Chargers... Really become a long-term enthusiastic viable franchise in that market. Let's hope they do. Uh, very quickly,
5: last question. You know, you mentioned the Giants. By the way, the Giants seven and three, but are nine and a half point underdogs going into Dallas. That seems like a big line for a seven and three team. Maybe. And, and I bring this up because obviously, sports betting is kind of now how many of us look at the games. How has the proliferation of the, of this thing, the phone and all the mobile betting, changed? football
11: well i think it has made a lot of games more interesting for four quarters even when the games are not great games and may not even be that competitive with so many people gambling on everything in these games uh you know right down to you know how many catches is you know, Austin Eckler going to get in a game. You know, people stay in with bad games for a longer period of time. That's one thing. But I think one of the things that the NFL has to be very careful with is that there's already a proliferation of people who have become addicted to sports gambling. And I think long term, you're going to see mm. this become more and more troubling. And look, the NFL bottom line is, doesn't care all that much about that, but I think as a country we should care about it because I think we're going to have a lot of people so addicted to gambling it really ruins their lives, like alcoholism and drug use. Well, it's going to have to be something to be monitored to be
5: watched, especially among the young college students, even high school students as well. I think it's an important point and well taken. But you know, if I'm sitting there screaming at the TV for the Broncos to get a field goal, yeah. That, that's a problem. Peter King, you
2: NBC
11: Sports. <laughs> Brian, let me just say one last sentence. I do not gamble on football. I would never gamble on football. It is foolish to gamble on football. And that's my last word. <laughs> that's And that's a heck of a word. By the way, Peter King,
5: NBC Sports, the Peter King podcast. Peter, appreciate it. Have a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Sure thing. All right, I feel a little bit different about that football thing, but hey, appreciate the opinion. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great, happy, and healthy Thanksgiving.
3: We'll see you Friday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.